0: Good. Um, so you'd like me to say a few other words, yeah, <laughs> it. uh, okay, so, um, firstly, delighted to see, uh, uh, so many people here tonight, um, and, you know, courtesy of the podcast, I did listen to Steve Davis's, uh, uh, version of this, um, And I'm pleased to say we've got two mics tonight because I kept saying, why is there a gap? Um, And uh, anyway, uh, so I follow all things Orient. You've got to remember that I'm a fan. Um, I, I read all the stuff, good and bad, on the various websites. I'm not a tweeter like my colleague. And just to explain that, you know, I run a fairly big company with... People who make the most outrageous fans fans seem uh, mild. Uh, Franchisees can be very difficult people. I've got 2,000 of them around the world. Um, And if I went on Twitter or anything like that, I would be inundated. Because behind the franchisees, I have lots of customers. So, Cryptic Ken does it all for us. (laughs) But I read a lot of stuff. And... uh, I think tonight, uh, rather than big speeches, is about you asking your questions. Uh, As I'm writing a book, we have just talked to a journalist about it called The Challenge Culture. Uh, I'm encouraging you to come forward with challenging questions. Uh, And I also want some really difficult ones for Kent. (laughs) So he can't push it onto me. (laughs) Right? Hey, by the way, I have to do this. This is a commercial. There's a really nice... Portuguese restaurant around the corner that I didn't know exists, right? I right. I agree. And uh, um, Marshall Taylor doesn't uh, feed us very well when we come here, so we were desperate. So we found this poch- Portuguese place. What was it called? Oceana or something. Right. It was good. It was very good. But I've been coming here for 58 years and he said he'd been there for too long. <laughs> yeah. So I clearly missed it. Yeah, no doubt.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, Seriously, thank you for having a club, enduring what you did, um, and making it worthwhile to be an Orient family member. Nigel asked me to be a member of this family. I'm excited to be a member of this family. I'm super excited that it is our club. And I look forward to a very long relationship with most of you. Um, and we expect to be involved 15 or 20 years. So this is not a short-term commitment that we're making, and it's something that we're very excited about, something that Nigel and I spend a lot of time together on uh, and working on separately. Um, We spend most of our available time outside of the other things that we do on Orient. we watch it very closely. Uh, we are reading the forums. Um, we know. We think we know what's going on, <laughs> but we are trying to be very great stewards of the club on your behalf. And I mean that when I say that it is on your behalf. It's not always on our behalf. There are going to be some tough decisions that we have to make as stewards. Uh, but. Um, we do believe that we are running the club on the fans' behalf, on the players' behalf, on the coaches' behalf, and on the staff. And those are the people that we serve. All right? So the easy questions first. So uh, I have the mic, so how about an easy question first? There you mic. I'm coming. I guess we'll just set the mic here Good evening, and evening, we we'll First of all, can I just say, I, I think hopefully
0: we would all agree, Thank you very much for saving our club. Yeah. Well, has that, has that got a round of applause? I'm going to risk a two-part question. Um, can I ask you, were you able to do as full a due diligence on the club as you would like when you were going through the, the process? and? Have you found many
1: surprises since you completed him? <laughs> Can you please bring forward the swear jar? <laughs> Just in case we accidentally mention. The name. Tonight's donations are going to cry, which is cardiac risk in the young, just so you know. If anyone mentions the B word. Okay. I've I've already put money in that. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. Earlier when I was sitting in the back in my chair that I belong in, I belong back there. (laughs) Due diligence. Um, Having bought and sold a number of companies, Nigel has also done this, you never get the appropriate level of due diligence. There is a reason that the words are stated uh, when you are a buyer, buyer, beware. In this case, we were beware. Is that a word? Is that English? I don't speak English. I speak Texan. Um, So did we do the appropriate amount of due diligence? Yes, in a certain sense. We've looked at clubs before. Um, This is not the first club we've looked at. Um, and so we know the process, we know about what the numbers should be, we know about what uh, some of the markers should be from a due, dil- due diligence process. Um, what was your second question? Were there felt, any surprises? Have you any surprises since? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have. There have been a few. Um, I can't name them, um because we're under non-disclosure agreements and then so what happens is is that when you're in due diligence you sign this thing that says you won't talk to anybody about anything that you're finding out called a non-disclosure agreement and then that non-disclosure agreement when you actually buy something when you buy something they put in these clauses called confidentiality agreement so you go from a non-disclosure agreement to a confidentiality agreement and so now we're under confidentiality agreement that we can't talk about the fact that we're under a non disclosure agreement. So I've already violated the confidentiality <laughs> agreement. So, because of that, I can't tell you exactly where the surprises are. Uh, some of us, as board members, are uh, surprised by different things. So, I'm surprised by some things because of his historical perspective. He's surprised by different things than I'm surprised by. So I approach this from a fairly commercial perspective. I don't have the historical fan. We used to be, we were one kick away from, see I don't have that historical perspective. So all I see is kind of where we are today. He has a different perspective. Matt Porter has a different perspective. David Travis has a different perspective. So because of these different perspectives, we're surprised by certain things and not surprised by others. Are we surprised? Yes. I'll tell you what we're really surprised about. Uh, Where's that window thing where they mark stuff off? There we go. There you are. You ready? Season tickets. Season ticket sales have been phenomenal. We are extremely surprised and extremely proud and extremely humbled by the fact that the number of season tickets is the number of season tickets that it is. We did not project 3,800 season tickets. We didn't, I promise you. Most clubs that go through relegation from League Two to, Champions, uh, to uh, Championship, I wish, uh, from League Two <laughs> to, to uh, National League uh, do not set the all-time record for uh, season tickets, and that's what we did. That's because of you, so there. it's not just bad surprises, there are also some great surprises. I've answered the question Guess what? He answers the rest. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: um, there were surprises. Kent said that. But in many ways, this was an easier deal than many others for several reasons. And you kind of referred to it. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's well known that I was involved with two consortium. One was a group that... We started, well, they started, and I actually had to go through the no-asshole qualification to join the group. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was in about December, and this was a group that was very professional, had owned clubs in more uh, senior leagues before, and in the end, I think the group decided I didn't, that the National League was facing us and they didn't want to start in the National League. The benefit though was I had a lot of time to look at numbers and they'd done a really good job. We then got our group together and I think this is a, you know, an interesting element in terms of process. And I know you've heard this story before, we met for 10 weeks, 5.30am every morning US time. We learned a lot about each other. And we talked and thought about a lot of things without having all the information. So that helped us have some idea. Matt Porter was part of that. So Matt was wonderful in terms of giving us insight. Um so I think we had two or three data points from the old consortium. Um we'd also knew what mattered, run the club with, with Barry. So that gave us a really strong indication. Um, you know, I'm, I am I really believe that most things have to be run properly. Clearly, it wasn't run as I would have wished it. I suffered like all of you did. Um, and I, I tried very hard as early as September 2014 to, to tell the prior regime, you know, some things that weren't working as well as they should have done. I mean, you know, I was very critical about Matt leaving their board. I was uh, very critical about the fact that Russell was treated appallingly and told him so. Um, And and to be fair, Alessandro, who I always got on well with, I know most of you never saw him, but uh, you know, I think he heard it, but there is a different way of running things. I mean, my philosophy and Ken's philosophy is we're in this together. There is not a superior being that runs the place and is someone who sends down instructions. You know, we want to be, we want to delegate responsibility, but we want people to come back and challenge us, push on us, uh, ask for our help. We're just another couple of people. And so is David, so is Matt, Rich, who happens to be my general counsel at Duncan. He'll be here at the weekend. For those, I know some of you have met Rich. Uh, but I think you'll find his program notes are really kind of interesting, on, be interesting. You know, on Saturday. They are, yeah. But the whole thing is, we want as a group to run this and make this a better place. That wasn't the way it was before. I mean, the first time I came was the home friendly against Ipswich. And, you know, you've met my little kids, uh, you've met David, but Brooke and Ian came, and they were at the time, go back three years, so they were um, seven and nine. Well, I was told I couldn't take them on the gallery. I mean, that's not the kind of club that this is about. So, you know, I think we knew a lot about what was going on or wasn't going on, but there were surprises but at the end of the day, in any business, as Kent said, you're going to have to take some risk. You know, business is about risk. And I think it was a well educated risk. And I've said this many times I feel better today about what we did than I did on June 22nd.
1: I agree. I agree with that. Great
0: <laughs> right stuff. Uh, regarding Russell Slade, I think he was absolutely the epitome of what it's about, and I, I think Steve Davis will do another good job. Is it true that when you took Russell Slade's f- flat back,
1: the the words, Vachette is a wanker, was written on the bathroom wall? <laughs> After, give me the box, give me the box. Nathan, where are you? Come on, let's go.
0: <laughs> Uh, 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 before I say anything, Kent may not know what the words mean because uh, it, it's, it's, it's like my wife who, I think a few of you have met my wife, she's a blonde American, and the first time she met my mom and dad who of course were, came to the club for many years, um, I always remember we went to this pub, so this is the very first time, so we sit down in this pub, and she said to my dad, "How many people met my dad when he was alive? A few of yeah." She said, "Roland." I keep hearing this word. I don't know what it means. So she, so he said, "Yes, dear. What is it?" Bollocks. <laughs> so, so, so he said because his hearing wasn't very good. What was that? <laughs> Bollocks. And 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 and, and my mum then said, "Roland." I think he, she said something like, "Bollocks." Uh, <laughs> So he heard it three times and the rest of the pub looked around wondering what this American lady was going on about. But anyway, so the word he mentioned may be the same as bollocks, right? I do know what it means. I <laughs> you do, you do, you do. Pretty clear. Um, I, I think he owes two. Yeah, and I've avoided certain words, if you this. I have, yes.
1: yeah. I appreciate that. And, and I have no
0: clue what was on the wall.
1: <laughs> How am I supposed to know anything about this? I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> Who's
0: next? Uh, thanks again, lads. Uh, one question I'd like to ask you. We all want more supporters here. When you look at this hard crowd on Saturday, we're all very white. We're certain type of people. We are an East London club. There's hardly any Asians, there's hardly any Caribbean people here. Do you think that's something the club should be pushing into to try and get more of those? I personally haven't heard a racist here in like 25 years. It's brilliant and we're not a racist club, but just the opposite. But I do think we're very short of local support at the moment sort of stuff. It's something I think we need to look into, I personally think, anyway. Thank you.
1: You give the historical perspective.
0: Okay, so uh, that's a great question. And uh, when I go back through my career, I'm kind of proud of many things I've done, particularly in America when it comes to diversity. Um, and uh, earlier this year I spoke to, for instance, the women's, Food Service Forum, 3,000 Women, with a, a woman who's kind of an amazing character. She's 27, called Ellen Brennan, and uh, she jumps off mountains in a, in a sport that you should look up called windsuiting, and she did an ad for us at Duncan, <laughs> and she jumped off this mountain 30 times in a day to get it right. Um, so diversity is very important, and this is a diverse area. And we do want to break down the barriers. And um, When I first got to Dunkin', we had some pretty significant barriers between, let's say, the majority of our franchisees who were, um, let's say, American, a lot of Portuguese background, and then we had a whole group of Indians. And we, we had really a big gap between the two. So we, 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 we started an initiative which really went around cricket, and in the end we played this corporate cricket game between corporate and franchise, and we flew in Sonny Gavaska and Mark Butcher. I thought the Indians were going to collapse on the spot because, you know, this is like flying in Pele or, or uh, Ronaldo. Um, so I think you raise a great question. You have to look around this room, as you say. Um, We need to get the Asians in here. We need to, and there's lots of other people who've moved in. Um, We've got people, I learned today from Waltham Forest that, I'll get the numbers wrong, but I think 287,000 people in London, in the London Borough of Waltham Forest. 55,000 are from elsewhere in the EU. Now, whether you believe in Brexit or not, I'll be quite clear, I don't. Um, I, um, mainly because it affects my business, but, um, <laughs> but I think we've got to do a lot. I'm pleased you raised the question, and, and today we've met with the Trust, we've met with the Council, diversity is the number one goal of the Council, uh, that's Waltham the Forest Council, so I'm, I'm pleased you're pushing us along, and we will do something, and would love your ideas of what we can do.
1: I don't have anything to. Add. I'm doing too much of this. Can't see any Don't worry, they're 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 coming. Don't <laughs> worry, they're coming. I think we're finishing now. Oh, <laughs> we're done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, here's one. Here. <laughs> yeah, I was just
0: thinking a bit more on the point of uh, you know getting different fans into the uh, into the stadium. Uh, particularly uh, young people, you know, and what we could do to be encouraging young people in the local area to come to the stadium. Uh, we had a promotion uh, last Saturday, I think, five pounds for season ticket holders of other clubs. Uh-huh. So I think it would be great, you know, if we were, you know, going around local schools, uh, you know, uh, getting uh, kids in here for a pound, you know, and encouraging local schools to do it a lot like, or around marketing around that. I think that would be really good. Um, I just wondered if you've got any plans to
1: actually do a lot more of that. So first thing I'll answer that question is I will be in a school Friday morning giving away tickets to Saturday's match. Um, Age range uh, is really dependent on uh, a number of different things as far as like pricing and things like that. So uh, it used to be uh, from what I hear. I can't give the historical perspective right, so that one's supposed to give that. What I hear was is that he was dropped off when he was young and they just left him. Remember those days? Uh, the difficulty that we have in the world today is that there's a very difficult thing to do. Uh, I don't think that we're even allowed to take a less than 14 year old into the ground without a parent. I think that's a rule. So what we have is we have a difficulty of getting, you know, that age range. So 14 and under, how do we get that age range in without having a parent or a guardian uh, with them? So we have to figure out that part of that challenge. The second part of the challenge is how do we approach uh, people that are, I would say, 16 to 22, which you would call college age or university age. Um, How do we approach that? We had a conversation today uh, with the council about Waltham Forest University? College. College, Waltham Forest College, and how do we get them involved uh, and some of that group. We definitely are going to target uh, what we would call the millennial or the young, the 25 to 35, um, over time. We have strategies of how to do that. Uh, Those are global strategies that are that have been proven to work or not work in certain markets around the world. I think some of those will work in London. Um, And so we're trying to figure out the right way to approach that. From a diversity perspective, we have to look at the cultural aspect of it. So some of those cultures seem to be more drawn to cricket than they do. Uh, No, I said it. I did, I said cricket. Yeah, no, actually, I'm using it. I'm actually using crickets. Actually. The world's second biggest I'm doing pretty well strong. I'm, I'm doing strong right here. So, some of those cultures are more drawn to cricket than they are to football and some of those cultures really value certain days of the week. Um, and so we have to work around all of that and those are all constraints that we're trying to figure out how to, you know, to, to work around. The other thing that we have is, is that the population uh, that appears to be the supporters of Leighton Orient don't necessarily live as close to the grounds as we wish they did. The once they did, like you used to live closer and now you live a little bit further. So we've got a lot of things to work on. Yeah, it's hard. Yep.
0: So Kent said some interesting things that I just want to build on. I mean, let's go backwards. Uh, in my time supporting the club, which as you know is 58 years, we've talked about moving out to Harlow, back inside, all kinds of strange places. Um, this is a latent club. And well, as long as I'm here, we're going to stay in Leighton. Um, and, and you know, going through the process, I learned something. A London club is very valuable. Correct. And, you know, one day we won't own the club. We intend to own it, and this is his words, 15, 20 years. But one day we won't own the club. But what I... T- we'll tell you now, we want to leave the club in such a great state that it's sustainable, that when we're all dead and buried that it keeps on going, we want that for our kids we want it for our grandkids, that's an Americanism isn't it? Grandchildren. Yes. Um, and yes, I yeah, well, it is. Um, <laughs> And you know, Leighton is the place and at the moment we've and I don't think it's going to change. We've got a very good relationship with Waltham Forest Council. Mm-hmm. They've got some wonderful plans over there. They're going to bring in 20,000 people into the area. They have to become Leighton Orient fans. And, you know, you know, the, the days... We have to find a way where we don't have 3,600, 4,500. Uh, we have to get it back up to the sixes and sevens Um, because I think that's what we can do. We have to involve people. As Ken said, we had a ball meeting this morning. We talked about things like CRM, which is really a sophisticated term for database marketing. Uh, I mean, we got 29,000 people who applied on paper for the playoff final. Nothing has ever been done with that information. I mean, that's like, like finding gold in front of you. So I think we have to do that. We have to take the age profile down, um, and you know, the Waltham Forest College thing that you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, I think we go to the Students' Union, this isn't the deal, but it would be something like this, and say, so if you show your Students' Union card, you get 10% off any ticket. Right. I remember when I was at college, I not only went to see Orient, I, I used to uh, go to see Spurs, Arsenal, never West Ham. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I mean, I do, I do sort of pray that they struggle over there. Um, um, but, uh, by the way, why did you go
1: there the other night? Martin Ling made me go. Martin Ling? Made me go. All right. You made me go. Who's in charge of payroll this week? <laughs> Marshall. A oh, Marshall, right. <laughs> Marshall. <laughs> Next question. I'd like to ask, just, oh, just quickly, talking about going to schools and that, have you considered maybe going... I know that our focus is Woodland Forest, that's where we're based, but, you know, it's only a short ride from central London, like places like LSE and UCL and sort of London School of Economics. Great, the, I have yeah. no idea where
0: you're talking about. Okay. So, so... Tell me. Yeah, I happen to live in probably the most uh, populated university city in the world, in Boston. Um, you know... We've got great colleges like Harvard, uh, MIT, Boston College, Boston University, uh, all kinds of other places. Um, also, have some of the best hospitals in the world as well. So we're very fortunate. But London is it, not far behind. For, you know, you go through all the universities that you said. London School of Economics (LSE). Um, you've got. The university whose name I've forgotten is down in Mile End, but they house people in Woodford. What's that?
1: Queen
0: Mary's. Queen Mary's. Yeah, Queen Mary's. I remember that. Is that tower block still in Woodford? It went down, didn't it? I remember it being built. <laughs> Flats now, right, yeah. Um, but I think we actually hit on a good idea today going for the college kids, make it a good time, um, you know. Um, I, I really think we could get them here because I think that's the group that we have to build loyalty with.
1: Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> here comes another question. Good evening, gentlemen. Um, the fact that we
0: don't own our ground has never sat so easy with me. Um, are there any okay. plans for us to take the ground back into the hands of Lake Norian? And also, um, what plans have you got, if any, for the east stand Because
1: I heard you mention it in TalkSport the other day. Uh, It doesn't bother me that we don't own the ground. I understand, but it doesn't bother me. Um, And the reason is that, as an asset, uh, this particular ground has been uh, fully developed. And so, from our perspective, the fact that Barry has the lease and that he's long-term committed to the club, um, you know, the only reason that we would be worried about not owning the ground is if we thought we were going to be forced to move. Which I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think we're ever going to be forced to move. And there's two reasons for that. Number one, I don't think that Barry would do it that way. And then the other reason is is that I don't think the borough would allow it to be that way. So it, it doesn't bother me. And here's the other reason. The biggest asset of the club is not the ground. It's not. I'll prove it to you. Who generates the most money sports wise in the world? The Dallas Cowboys. $700 million a year in revenue. One club one club it's not about the ground it's about the brand it's about the merchandising it's about the international buy-in it's about all of those things and so as that is one asset and it could be significant but I don't think it is as significant as the, the jersey that you're wearing or the shirt that you're wearing which is the braces and so when we think about the value of the club Uh, We don't necessarily believe that the real estate value of the club is where the true value of the club lies. The true value of the club lies in the revenue that it generates day in and day out. And that's where we need the most help, is in getting more fans, more tickets, more merchandise sales, more of all of that. Because that's where the true asset value is. If we wanted to leverage the club, now this is a different question. If we wanted to leverage the club, it would be easier to leverage the club if we owned the ground. But because we don't own the ground, we can't leverage the ground. So thus, we can't leverage the club that way. So it's, in my mind, it's a net neutral that we own the ground. Yeah,
0: um, I'm going to take what you said and go a slightly different direction. The reason my phone keeps going off, I'm in the middle of doing a debt deal for Duncan, and. You know, I I run a company with a beautiful financial model where we don't own any company stores. We have franchise. We have to create the right environment for franchisees to succeed, which I think we do a pretty good job. Um, we by creating that environment, franchisees invest money into the brands, the two brands we have that you know. Um, and we make money out of it. It's a beautiful financial model. We are a highly leveraged company and right now we're taking the leverage back up because it, as, as we produce cash flow we pay it down then take it back up. So I believe in the leverage model. I don't believe a football club with a very different financial economics than Dunkin where, by the way, we have a 58% margin. No other restaurant company has that in the world. Our economics are very different. Mm-hmm. And Kent and I want to sleep at night. We don't want to worry about Lake Yeah, you know, we're, we're fully funded because we said right at the start we're not going to have to make capital calls. One of my friends who owned a, a Premier League team that went to the championship, when they went down, he said the worst thing of being an owner was the 25,000 abusive emails he had when they went down. Um, and he said the other thing was the repeated capital calls, you know, putting more money in. So we funded this for many years, uh, even if we don't perform to our budget, which we will do. Correct. Um, so... We don't need to leverage ourselves and put ourselves into debt by buying the stadium. And one day, it may be different. Remember, our goals were twofold. One, to get our club back. We did that. Two, is to stabilize the club. And I think by buying the stadium, we could make it unstable. Correct. So we feel very confident. We sleep at night. We're going to enjoy the experience. I don't like losing three nothing, but you know, as I said to Steve, the last game I coached with my boys' team last year, I lost ten one, so it could could be worse. Um, but we're doing this for fun, and we believe together we will build a great club together, and we don't need the leverage.
1: Um, what was it? I don't remember. Oh, the East Stand, sorry. Yeah, that was yours.
0: Yeah, that was,
1: that,
0: that was, that was your Oh, yeah, it was my part, okay. Um, okay, so this is what we said to the council today. Um, you know, I sat over there, I was there when we went up to the Division 1, which was the top division in those days. Couldn't speak for a week after Malcolm Graham scored those two goals. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of fond memories over there. Uh, If you look at it from the rear, it's a complete eyesore. Um, And I think we have to improve it. So we said to the council today, asked for their views on it, and they were supportive about us doing something with it. It probably won't happen this year. But I think we need to redevelop it, bring more revenue into the club, make it a better part of the community, which is very important to us. And we had that conversation today, not only with the council, but with the trust. Um So I think you will see change there. It needs to improve. Um, we're working on a plan and it's not finalized yet, but we want to sell merchandise back over that side of the ground because you know, at the moment it's a bit of a haul to go from over there to over here. And based on my experience, you go in the shop, And there's too many people in there to get served quickly. So we've got all kinds of ideas that we talked to Just Sport about today Mm -hmm. to make that more accessible. And and fans want things instantly. Before I left on Sunday, I went to see the Red Sox, one of my many sports teams. Good. (laughs) We hate the evil empire, right? Okay, that's the Yankees, for those who don't know. Um, So anyway, they've got little stands all over the place. And even though we got a lot of Red sock stock stuff, my wife stopped, got the kids some more stuff. If it's there, they will buy it. And I think you want us to raise as much revenue as possible. So we will find a way of improving the East End. Um, we just need to work out how we can do it.
1: Very good now. I'll just add into that. A nice Brisbane Road sign, because I think most—well, I do. Most of us think of this as Brisbane Road, not not the match of the stadium. Okay, so, so
0: yeah.
1: I think a nice Brisbane Road. I mean, especially for away fans yeah, but you've got to
0: be careful though because of our mowers. the east side molars. you've got to, you've got to you must muck about with our east side, he, east
1: side. Is, is he is he saying well, that we need Tom, a sign that says east side I'm
0: not
1: quite sure not Brisbane Road not you, you answer the Brisbane Road question <laughs> idea how to answer that question because um, signage absolutely Uh, I think if you if most people who I interact with in Leighton because I do stay in Leighton when I come here um, they don't know there's a ground here now I know you all know it's here but it's hidden behind flats and silver walls to them so, they don't see it. So, I do think that signage is important. Um, I do think that Brisbane Road is a very uh, valuable, um, lo- uh, like a pra- trademark, I guess, of the club. It does confuse people. It confused me. Uh, I went to the wrong ticket office the first time I showed up because um, I was on Brisbane Road and that's not where it's at. It's on Oliver Road. So, we have to think about how we're going to do that. Um, but, yeah. That's, that's what I think of. As far as the East Side moaners, let me talk about them for a minute. Um, we want you to moan appropriately. Um, because out of what you say to us that's not right or needs to be improved or should change, those are the things that we take and we have conversations about, and we say, how do we do this, how do we make this work, why isn't it this way, how do we make it better? So we do want your interaction. The reason I'm on social media is primarily for the feedback, not because I think I need to send out some messages every day, but it's primarily to get the feedback. And like I said, we do read the forums, we read all the Facebook, we read all the Twitter. Um, and so, you know, ideas like this, we have to figure out what's the right way to do it, when's the right time to do it, and how do we make it most effective. You got a different way there? No, no, that was a great answer.
0: Uh, the one thing I don't know can you buy Brisbane Road signs like Goodbye Abbey Road? <laughs>
1: We'd have to. They're not in the shop. Not in the we shop. need. We need to get those in the shop, don't we? So, so okay. So, do do talk about how do they get stuff in the shop? How would they do that?
0: Well, I think we. I think you get it in the shop by
1: asking for it. Correct. You got to ask them for it. You, how do you get stickers? I think you get most sort of merchandise stickers. like that from eBay. Most people. Yeah, yeah that's true. You, they can get it. You could get it yeah.
0: Well, we could get it made and sell it. All these people would say. By the way. Talking about selling stuff. Oh, I love to sell stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'd encourage you to think about approaching Steve Dixon. And if you've got a chance, buy some signs, buy, you know, sponsor a player. They may have all gone, but there's some other sponsorships there. Sure. I mean, uh, you know, I think we want to make this a really successful club. It's about being successful on the field and successful commercially. So that's my quick commercial to you. Sign up for some of these things.
1: He had a question. Oh, he's next. Okay. Uh, that all sounds great.
0: Thanks very much. Uh, the, the leverage point was interesting. Uh, can I take it from that? that as a result, of, uh, sorry. As a result of the takeover, we're now debt free. That was the first question. Oh, yeah. Second question was. Um, no. I know that both of you have got strong connections with different American sports teams. Yeah. You mentioned that just now. Is there anything that you think you can bring over from the States which will benefit? Later? Did you hear the question? Oh, yeah, no, I heard the question. You did? Good, yeah. okay. <laughs> All right, so let me go first. Um, debt free. Debt free. We're debt free.
1: Sort of. Sort of. That's the accounting problem. Yeah. It's the accounting problem.
0: But I think most people would consider it that. <coughs> oh.
1: See, the way it was supposed to work was I was supposed to say things like, you know, I don't have the historical perspective on this. We should ask Nigel. (laughs) So financially, there are two realities of the world. No offense to any of you who are in the profession of which I'm about to speak. There is the reality of the world that has to do with stability of money and capacity. Um, There is the stability in the world of cash and the ability to service things, whether that's debt or operating expenses or things like that. From that perspective, we are drastically debt-free, okay? But how that is presented, no offense to the accountants in the room, How that is presented on a balance sheet and an income statement, it looks like we have debt because as we are required to put money into the club, the best way for us to do it from an accounting perspective is to put it in as debt. That's the best way for us to put it in. It just is. Believe me, I've done this too many times. The best way for us to put it in is via a debt vehicle. Now, it's not all debt, but the best way for us to put it in is via a debt vehicle. It's the best for us, and it really uh, doesn't impact the club in the way that you think it might from a debt perspective. Um, We have a lot less debt on the club than we did June the 21st. Um, And what was the second part? I never can remember these second parts. It was about... um, I was was asking asking whether there was much... From the US. oh u s oh the u s oh I get to answer this one you're not you're not from the u s think about where you were born <laughs> no <laughs> no see this club doesn't need an American idea I promise you doesn't I've seen it so far love it doesn't need American ideas um we don't need the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, commonly known as the Cheerios. No, I don't care what Steve Davis says. No. Um, and we we are not going to Americanize the club. That is not our role in life. Our role is not our role. It's not my role. Our role is not to Americanize the club. Our role is to bring out the best of the club from the culture of the club not the culture of america or wherever some of us may be from that is our role our role is to create the best club <clears throat> that all of us can be extremely proud of and that doesn't mean it needs to look act think or even talk like it's an american
0: <laughs> okay so you are right. We have some very good connections, and I was with John Henry um, Wednesday last week, and he, he. One of his words was, "Nigel, anything we can do to help you at Orient," and we passed that on to Martin Ling, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to be using some of Liverpool's facilities when we have the Tranmere Barrow short span up in the northwest. Um, you know, but what I would say is, we want to run this club as well as it can be run. And I'm very lucky that I have very close contacts with both the Patriots. By the way, Steve Davis supports the Patriots, isn't that amazing? And uh, you yeah, John and Robert Kraft are very good friends of mine. They run a brilliant organisation. They do. The uh, Boston Red Sox, Fenway Sports owns uh, obviously the Red Sox and Liverpool a couple of other things they are a brilliant organisation and you, and the things that I think you learn from them are the very top people are approachable John Henry's you yeah, know down to earth guy he's much quieter than we are but that's his nature uh, Jonathan Kraft would come to a meeting like this and We'd have the same jokes, because he's that kind of guy. And so does Bob Kraft. They're decent people who treat people properly. And when we first put together our plan, we talked about this being a people organisation with the highest values. And the most important thing to me when I bought the club was to change the culture. I think we did that fairly quickly. A very senior player, who used to be with the club, said to both of us last night, what a pleasure it is to be back here. This is a different club. We love it. So, we football clubs are people clubs. And we've tried to create that culture. That's what those guys have done. And you may say that's importing it here, but there's a lot of great English football clubs that right. run right. the place properly as well. Right. And, and one of the things that's been interesting to me is... As chairman, I get the odd, strange job, like uh, uh, two clubs, they refuse to let us, no, actually three clubs, they refuse to let us film because they didn't have the space, because we take too many fans, all that stuff, right? Um, so I have to get on to the chairman and say, I can't see the game, can you help me out, would be very nice. Once you overcome that, you find out the whole history about the club, and some of them are remarkable stories. I mean Halifax weren't one of those clubs but they had a wonderful group of directors last they did. night they did. and they were really nice people and I'm not sure this, this was a compliment they said you guys have been so nice I mean, I'm not quite sure what they were expecting but anyway but at the end of the day the point is you treat people decently in everything you do and you know that is a huge change from what we've seen and, and we have to continue to do that Once again for everything that you've done, because I think I was becoming ill last season. So uh, yeah, I brought my kids to the game last night, and they saw the sign for Dunkin' Donuts. They said, "Daddy, can I have a Dunkin' Donut?" <laughs> I'm not
1: sure what, what can I do? There's no way I'm answering this question. <laughs> so I just wondered, can like, they get a Dunkin' Donut? You got any, any
0: plans for anything like that? <laughs> a Dunkin Donut. Okay, so um, firstly, that is not the company's money. <laughs> Um, Steve Dixon sent me that invoice, yeah?
1: Yeah, we got the VAT number.
0: So they got, got the VAT it. number, so I'll be getting the... Okay, so, you know, as a fan for years, I've supported the club with Papa John's, Then it was, uh, um, Baskin-Robbins and Dunkin'. I'm not sure what I'm going to do when I retire, so I have to find something else. Um, anyway, um, firstly, coffee... It is tough to get the coffee right in stadiums. We're in very few stadiums. We happen to be in the Red Sox, happen to be in the Patriots, and one or two others, but it's very difficult, and I would not even suggest we try with our low low crowds because it's a pretty significant investment. Donuts, uh, we've talked about that. I think the most likely thing is Baskin-Robbins ice cream, and uh, we're working on that. It's not a big priority. But it's something that we will continue to work on. It's just when you've got kids and they're asking, yeah. You know. I know. I know. <laughs> well, the, the the biggest problem is we're not we haven't done very well in the UK with Dunkin'. we have reformulated it. Um, Baker Street is the closest store. Though you can get donuts in various co-op supermarkets. Um, yeah, no, but it doesn't help you at half time, does it? It doesn't help you at half time. No. Uh, I think I just have to say I failed. You want to comment?
1: No, no. I don't have anything to do with any of that. The opportunity for a new franchisee. Here. Yeah, that's an expensive operation as well. It's true.
0: Hello there. Um, I'm just interested to know how the wage structure is going to be run. It's like the last clown, he was mm-hmm. handing
1: out massive wages to other players. What was now. his name again?
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, where's the square boat? I don't have Apparently some players were on a lot more than others and all that. But Barry Hurd's theory was that everyone was on the same, but it's done more on bonuses and everything else. What's uh-huh. your,
1: uh, be on that place. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you ask him that, Duncan question? No, <laughs> now I get this one. We have a budget. Martin Lean uh, gave me a spreadsheet today that showed that he is at the budget. We have a budget that we believe will make us competitive. Uh, we believe that the talent that we have put on the field is... Uh, at the level that we should have higher expectations than maybe we have let on about, which is mid-table. So when we talk about expectations, we talk about mid-table, and then we let Steve Davis and the players say that they didn't come here to just be mid-table, which is the right way to do it. We have a budget. What we did is, is that we looked at what we thought the competitive Uh, clubs were to us, what their budget was, and then we tried to uh, appropriately position ourselves into a slot where we kind of want to sit. We don't necessarily want to sit at the top because we don't think that's the best place to sit, and we certainly don't want to sit at the bottom uh, in a part-time, you know, club. So they have a budget. It is up to Martin, who I do think has done a phenomenal job of fielding the team and the side that we have. And it's important that Martin has the uh, leeway, if you will, to decide what players are going to play best together. The budget that we've given him, we have not given him a budget that allows him to go out and buy a superstar team, which is what other people may do. But we have also given him enough money that he can build a very qualified side when compared to the other sides. Would it go up on motion as well? Would the budget go up if you got the motion? Oh, yes, yeah. of course. Because what we would do is, when we... when we <laughs> Notice I said when, not if. <laughs> it is a win. I don't know when it's going to be. <laughs> when you can all give me a guarantee, then I'll take out my credit card is what they keep saying. Um, so, when we go up, then what we'll do is we will then go to lead Two and we will say, we want to be about in this slot, what should our budget be? They'll say, this should be about your budget, and then we'll set that as the budget. See what I'm saying? That's how we handle it.
0: More? Yeah, I think the other part you were saying is, you know I think the point you were making is if you pay players, an astronomical, well, two or three players a lot, it causes discontent with the rest. Yeah, it does. I think Martin, who by the way is incredibly financially astute, um, has tried to balance all that. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a very street smart individual with a lot of experience. And I just want to echo um, what Ken said. You know, we all owe a huge debt to Martin. It, we were two weeks before training started. We had nine kids, and fine. I read all the stuff online. All the you know people comment about two-year contracts and all that stuff. He brought together a squad that we think is excellent. Um, it's balanced. It's got depths. You know, it, it, and to answer a question that was on the site today, you know, does he have the scope to, the scope to go out and bring some loan players in? He does. Yes. But it's kind of interesting. His point is. We always have to make sure we bring people in who are better than what we've got. And because they can't loan I'm talking about football league teams, if they say loan us someone for twenty four day twenty eight days, they may, if they have an injury, have to go out and loan themselves, which they can't do. So you have to think through all the implications. And it's not quite as easy as phoning up Chelsea and saying, Hey, send us someone who fills this position. But Martin has that scope and I noted that was one of the points that was on the website this afternoon.
1: Here we go. Uh, You're talking about twenties with the club, twenty
0: five years.
1: 25. Sort of no, no, we know. set that. No, we can't do 25. I've been married 25. I can't do 25 <laughs> at this. <laughs> have you got sort
0: of, in your head, back of your head, maybe, benchmarks, and you'll say that you'd like to hit as the club progresses, keep you on
1: track, sort of? Thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, how we do it is, is that we think about we have to build a sustainable club. So when do we get to sustainability? So sustainability we would love to get to in 18 months, but it may take us three years. Um, there are certain situations that we're in that it's gonna take us a little while to get out of. They may not be performing as well as we want them to perform, online ticketing. And <laughs> there are other things that you know, we face where we've gotta make sure that we get it straightened out. From a benchmark perspective, I think really what the question you want answered is, how soon are we going to get promoted? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. But how we've built the process is that we are trying to give ourselves a chance to get promoted every year. It doesn't mean that we're assured to get promoted every year, and we are not going to reach in order to get promoted We're not going to spend a lot of the money that we have in storage, if you will, to try to get us promoted this year because if we don't get it this year, then it's over. Because when you go into that panic mode, some clubs I watch them, they go into this mode where they've got to get promoted this year. The challenge is is that they push themselves so hard financially, and then the next year they pay drastic consequences for that. We do not want that because we're trying to build in stability. We do believe that from a benchmark perspective, we would love to expect that we would get promoted every three or four years. That's the rough (coughs) numbers that we think about, three, four, five years. But will it happen this year? See, I don't sleep much since we bought this club. (laughs) I used to sleep really well. I didn't sleep very well last night. Do you have any idea why I didn't sleep very well? How did you sleep last night? I sleep well every night. Oh, he sleeps well every night. See, he's got 58 years of history with the club. I don't. The point is, is that we love the dream of promotion this year. Of course, we love that dream. And if we hit green on roulette this year, given that we didn't have a side and we only had eight or nine players when we stepped up and all of these all of these excuses and conversations that we have about the past, we would love to get promoted this year. Of course, who doesn't? All 24 sides want the exact same thing. They all want to get promoted this year. We're all trying to do the exact same thing. Finish one so we can automatically be promoted. There are 24 sides trying to do that exact same thing we have to compete against all 24 sides. So, chances are that we won't get promoted in any one year. So what we are trying to do is make it to where at least we have a chance to get promoted in any one year. And over a period of time, hopefully the odds will click over in our favor and get us promoted. That's the basic strategy. How was that?
0: No, that was absolutely outstanding. I think. Just to add to it, we also have goals that may not be promotion <coughs> oriented. I mean, we talked earlier about reducing the um, average age of our supporters, that should be a goal. Increasing the size of our fan base, both here and in the US in particular, but perhaps elsewhere, they are other goals. You know, building a sustainable club doesn't mean you have to be in division. One, two, or whatever, is having a club for the future. I repeat, I want to, this club to be successful and sustainable 50 years after I'm gone. Because that's what I think we all truly want for our community and our families, and for this club
1: in particular. How long did Steve Davis have to talk before he got an ale? (laughs) Was it an hour? Yeah. 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 Guess what? We get an ale. It's break time.